to you live from the second floor of the Materia Building Studio Center. Baseball is back. A lot to discuss, including the hot topics of the two managers on the hot seat for the 2019 season. Dave Martinez of the Washington Nationals and Gabe Kapler of the Philadelphia Phillies. You would you would assume to believe one of them will be a playoff team. And, of course, that one team to believe would be the team that has Bryce Harper and has the Philadelphia Phillies. But other than that, hangover from the World Series, you bet. The Boston Red Sox have started off to an abysmal 1-4 record as the injury bug pales the Yankees. And the New York Mets have continued to be rolling. Jason Vargas on the mound tonight. Joining me in video, Corey Picard. Corey, welcome back to the show. Red Sox off to a bit of a shaky start, but Corey, welcome back. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, you mentioned the Red Sox. Um, one and four, it definitely isn't ideal, not what we wanted, but still 157 games to play, so, I mean, you can't get much worse, right? <laughs> the staff has not been good. Yeah, absolutely. Chris they, Snell gets rocked in game one. I don't know why they have David Price at the end of the rotation. Yeah. He at the start of the rotation, but... David Nivaldi did not look at probably the worst of all. Rick Porcello just did not look himself. Yeah, and they're giving up a ton of runs, and they got shut out. And that's not what you want to see out of this team. I mean, if our pitching can't good, our hitting should be there. So not the best start, but I have faith. I mean, there's and a ton a team of time. that they opened up the season against the Seattle Mariners was a team that traded away two of their best players, mm-hmm. Robinson Cano and Edwin Diaz. And now the Mariners are all of a sudden one of the best teams in baseball off to a fantastic 6-1 and one start. Now we have a tough test now. The Oakland Athletics, who are probably one of the most underrated teams in baseball, Absolutely, after yeah. seeing what they did last year, going into the wild card and lose to the Yankees in the wild card. So game. overlooked last so year, overlooked too. So overlooked last year. And again, Chris Davis... Underrated a player, he, he he always usually hits about 240, 250. He's hit a, uh, a he's hit 247 in three straight seasons. Leads the league with, with five home runs. Uh, the Red Power Sox pitching has not been good. Their defense and their hitting has not been good. But a team that has been good, the New York Yankees, and all of a sudden they're two and two after the injuries that we'll talk about in a second. But the New York Mets, which Liam will touch up on now, the New York Mets off to a fantastic start. They are three and one to start the season, Liam. That's like what you see out of the New York Mets, and you hope it continues. But Jason Vargas on the mound tonight, you hope to see a good outing from him. Absolutely. And, you know, you go past the opening series in Washington, you're able to take two out of three, you know, from a team that a lot of people around the league really said, you know, that we're better than the Mets. You know, I don't believe that the Nationals were, you know, replaced to be, you know, in first or around first or second place, you know, in the division entering the year. And I think that was a real statement series victory for the Mets. You know, you got to love how the pitching is coming. Sure, the front end of the rotation has certainly played well. You know, you got Jacob DeGrom, who had a great outing. Cindergaard uh, got rocked a bit, but, you know, he stayed cool in his uh, in his outing. You see the match last night, and Zach Wheeler looked great. So, as far as Jason Vargas, he is going to be the fifth starter. He looked great in spring training. He had a very, very difficult season last year, probably one of the poorest Mets pitchers of, of last season. You know, that stayed healthy throughout the, you know, the entirety of the year. But he pitched well in spring training, and he's here to start, you know, the fifth game of the year, and I expect him to put a good performance against the Marlins team who's, you know, showed some fight in the last couple of games, but is not going to be a good team this year. So, yeah, a good point, like you said, Liam, and this is a big test for Jason Vargas. He hasn't been that guy that the Mets could rely on. Like, they – and he's been bad. Just like – we're going to put it at that. And we said we needed to see more from Steven Matz. We saw what we wanted to see from Steven Matz yesterday, a promising start. But I want to see what the Mets now moving forward is not having such a close game until the ninth inning. Yes, the Marlins are a beat-up team. 
you should be beat them up. Pete Alonso's off to a great start. He's obviously going to cool down, but he's still going to be a, a very good player. But the Mets, the Marlins are a team that you should be beating up on. And for being tied into, until the ninth inning just goes to show you where their pitching is. And I think it's going to be fine. They are going to be fine. But again, they have to get the ball from the starter to Edwin Diaz. And I think they can do that. You have Gazelman. You have Familia. They have options in that bullpen. So they can do that. However, Pete Alonso is going to cool down. The bottom of that lineup has to get going. Brandon Nimmo has to get going. I believe he has eight strikeouts to start the season already. Is that correct? Right. Yeah, he has eight strikeouts at the start of the season. And, well, let me tell you, I agree 100%. When I've been watching the match, you know, the opening you know, games of the year here, and I'm starting to see that they're – there are some glaring holes in the lineup, and, you know, even before the trade deadline, I'm starting to, you know, way before the trade deadline, I'm starting to notice that that could be something that the Mets need. They need that extra bat. Is that Yohannes Cespedes? Yes, he is, but I don't know. I don't know if he's going to come back from both uh, both heels, uh, surgeries on both heels, to be able to come back and be the same impact player that he was. So I agree with you. There is a hole in the Mets lineup right now, and as thin as the Mets outfield is at the moment on the offensive side, you know, you have Keon Broxton, who has never, you know, he hit 20 home runs with the Brewers one year, but he has never been able to hit for average. You have Juan Lagares, who is definitely known for his gold glove center field work, definitely not a hitter, although he did have a game-tying home run last night. You cannot afford to have guys like Brandon Nimmo, who hit so well last year, to go through big slumps like this. Gratefully, Michael Conforto is playing very well to start the year, and uh, Pete Alonso, like you mentioned, Robinson Cano has picked up the offensive, you know, woes of the Mets. But Brandon Nimmo with eight strikeouts, you know, early on in the year is definitely concerning. And if he hasn't turned around, this Mets lineup can go from extremely promising to extremely thin very quick, which will put in, you know, Kawhi a lot more pressure on the starting pitchers and the bullpen. Yeah, and I think that's going to come down to, you know, to quite honestly is what is uh, Brody Van Wagen going to do moving forward. And you want to see him make these big moves to get to where they're going to be getting. So we'll see what happens moving forward with the Mets. As far as the other New York team, before we get to the Red Sox, the Yankees have battled the injury bug. And we said at the start of the season, where is DJ LeMayhew going to play? Darren Boone said he wants to play him five out of the seven days of the week. Well, he's not going to be an everyday starter now. Miguel Andahar, a small labrum tear in his right shoulder. It is, it is his throwing shoulder. Diving back to first base. They don't think season-ending surgery is needed for Miguel Andahar, but it is on the table. But you have to figure, regardless if he has surgery or not, it's going to be at, at, at most maybe a month, month, a little bit over than a month. Not the end of the world. But you have Giancarlo Stanton down. You have Didi Gregorius down. You have Aaron Hicks down. You have Della Batances out. You have Luis Severino out. You have CeCe Sabathia out. It's an injury-riddled lineup right now for the New York Yankees. But again, they have depth. DJ LeMahieu would be a starter on any other team. He's a backup now on the Yankees. Tyler Wade would probably make any other team. He's now a backup on the Yankees. Clint Frazier would be, a, would be an everyday outfielder on any other team. He was in the minor leagues to start the season. They have options now. It's how they're going to utilize their options. I mean, today's lineup looks pitiful. Pitiful the lineup looks. You have Gardner leading off, Judge batting second, batting third. You have Luke, uh, Luke Voigt batting cleanup is Gleyber Torres. And that just goes to show how beat up this lineup is. 
Gleyber Torres is usually the Yankees' nine-hole hitter. He's batting fourth. Batting fifth, you have DJ LeMahieu. Batting sixth, you have Mike Talkman. Sixth is Clint Frazier. Eight is Tyler Wade. And nine is Austin Romine. Not a bad lineup, but when you have Mike Talkman in there, it just goes to show you that this is a very bad injury team. Yes, Gary Sanchez has a day off tonight. They want to give him rest because they have a travel day tomorrow after their 4 o'clock game. They go to Baltimore, so they want to give him some extra rest on that part. They're going to be okay. Giancarlo Stanton, they hope, minimum 10 days. Aaron Hicks, not far-fetched either. But Tansis can be back by the end of the week. So will CeCe. Severino, not far back either. So really the only long-term injury now is Miguel Andahar. Yes, you could throw Dean Gregorius, but we knew he was going to be out. They solidified that void right now. They have Glaber Torres to, fill, to play second base while Tulowitzki and LeMahieu play second. You have LeMahieu. You have Tulowitzki. That's why they brought those guys in. And believe it or not, Dean's only going to be out for another month. So it's not the end of the world. Now, if I had a choice to take season-ending surgery for Miguel Andahar, I'd say yes. Only because Greg Bird had a small labrum tear in 2015. And he didn't need surgery and he missed a month. He played June to September. He then had to get surgery for his shoulder. And ended up missing all of 2016. Which made the Yankees play Chris Carter at first base. And we all know how that ended up. So maybe getting surgery now and missing the year is not the worst case scenario for Miguel Andahar. Maybe he doesn't need surgery. Maybe he comes back and plays well, which is they're optimistic because he played the rest of the game and all his physical tests are good and his strength is there in his shoulder. But we don't really know the severity of the injury. Yeah, I mean, I think it's safe to say that they'll be they'll be able to move on. DJ LeMahieu is definitely a suitable candidate for any starting position on any team. He could start on the Yankees if they really wanted him to. He's a, I think he's one of the most underrated players in the MLB. I think he's a great backup option, especially in this case. And I think they'll be fine. I mean, you had mentioned this um, over text, and they survived two years ago without Stanton, without Torres, Andujar, Torres. Yeah, you know, the 2017 and, playoff run, really, and, it did not have Stanton, did not have Voight. Didn't even have it had Bird for for a little bit of the. Playoffs. You didn't have your pitchers. But they didn't either. have Torres. They didn't have Britain. They didn't have Hap. They didn't have Paxton. Uh, out of Vino, any of them. You so had. Twenty seventeen was kind of the team that they have now. Yeah, it was probably even worse because you've gained a lot of guys since then. Yeah, you've lost guys, but you've lost guys from last year. But if you look at it, two years ago you didn't have those guys, and you gave a run to the Houston Astros who went on to the World Series. To win the World Series, and I wouldn't be too worried about it. I think you'll be able to survive. Lemayhew is—he really is a good backup, and he's a good starter, even. So yeah, I wouldn't even worry about that much because he played over in Colorado. Uh, Colorado. Yep. He doesn't get that much. Talk Plus, he, he's in the in, in in the New England area because he's all the way out yeah. in Colorado. Yeah, and he's not—he's not the home run hitter that gets all the hype around him, but he's a consistent hitter, and I think think he'll bring a consistent bat to the Yankees lineup, which. It's not going to hurt them. To I mean, yes, losing Andujar is a is a loss for them. It's a big loss, but to have this c- kind of backup ready to go, I think you'll be able to pick off right on right where you left off, really. Right, and and, and you know, I think a lot of people forget about DJ Lemayhew 
This is a guy who won the National League batting title in 2016 with the Rockies. He's won a gold glove in 2014, 2017, and last year. So this is a guy who really does not have a ton of holes on the defensive end or on the offensive end. I wouldn't even perceive this guy as a backup. I agree with both of you 100%. This is a guy who would be starting on any other team, but due to the depth that the Yankees have on the infield, it's just not working out. But since the injury bug has come up and come forth with Andujar and such, you know, definitely there's an opportunity for him now. But don't look at this as a minus. Look at this as adding a guy who can add excellent defense and hit line drives and get runners in scoring position and set up other hitters in the lineup like Stanton, like Judge, to go and those power bats to go hit home runs and drive runs in. So I think it's not going to be too much of a detriment to the Yankees. As far as Andujar, Will, I do have to agree with you. It looks back to Greg Bird. He is in no way the same player he was you know, since he got that surgery, that labrum surgery. Uh, and with Miguel Andujar, he is too much of a promising player for you know injuries to take away any little bit of his talent. So I think that the route they should go is they should definitely let him have the season-ending surgery. I think it's a no-brainer. If it is as serious, uh, if it is serious that it will, you know... Yeah, and they said... And they said, like... They said since he finished the game, they're not too concerned. And he was able to swing. He was able to make contact with the baseball. And, you know, there's even talk that he could come back, even if it's it's non-throwing shoulder... It, it, sorry, it, it is his throwing shoulder. He could even come back and play DH, where primarily Yankee fans want to see him because he has poor defense. So regardless, if he comes back this month, it'll probably be in a DH position with limited at-bats, which is what the Yankees could probably hope for right now. Yeah, and the thing with me is do not sacrifice Andrew Hart's long-term health for short-term goals for the team. You know, I know that this is a Yankee team that is really trying to compete, and this is not a knock on Miguel Andujar, but with or without him in the lineup, those guys behind him, those depth pieces, are going to be able to pick up where he left off. So, you know, if he does need season-ending surgery, and it is something that will prevent him from having long-term issues in the future, I think 100% you take it, and you rely on the guys that you have as depth pieces. You look at DJ LeMahieu, I've said it before, this is a guy who can really produce he is not that much of a drop-off, if at all, from Miguel Andujar. So. Yeah. I mean, how I, much blame is, is, is Brian Cashman getting now for not picking up Manny Machado? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> believe it or not, like, now Yankee fans hope they have Machado. Because now you're short Gregorius. Now you're short Miguel Andujar. Now, you know, it's, it's a never-ending circus with this Yankee team. And we always talk about the Mets having to be worried about injuries. But the Yankees, the problem is now the Yankees have the depth. If they didn't have Tulowitzki, if they didn't have Wade, if they didn't have Frazier, if they didn't have LeMahieu, I would be concerned. But the fact that you have DJ LeMahieu struggling to find that back in the playing time goes a long way. And I think they're going to be okay. And the Yankee Bears needs to calm down and accept it. Listen, injuries happen, but it's how you respond from that. Yes, when Aaron Judge got hurt, they were not the same team. But they didn't have outfield depth. Clint Frazier was their answer. He had a concussion. That's why they couldn't play him there. And they you still survived and without they still him. still survived without Aaron Judge. And Miguel Andahar, he's not a great fielder. He's one of their better contact hitters. But DJ LeMayhew is a very good player. He's a very good player. It really makes me wonder why LeMayhew decided to go to the Yankees. Because he could start on probably maybe the Red Sox. And if not the Red Sox, then 20 MLB teams. 
And that's why I only say the Red Sox because they. Rafael Devers is a question mark. Yeah, and they have. Eduardo Nunez is a god awful. Yeah, they've had they've had this infield issue where they don't know who's starting with Brock Holt. Last year, was Ian Kinsler was in there, but the Ian Kinsler played every fourth game or so. That'd be what Lemayhu might do there. But really, he could play on any team, and he's valuable. I mean, you mentioned Machado, the value that. That Lemayhu is going to give you for the price. It's cheaper than what is, is, it, so. I think it's better. The value that Lemayhu is getting, uh, giving to the Yankees, obviously, yes, Machado's better than Lemayhu. Yeah, but you get what you pay for. Lemayhu was never a power hitter. Mm-hmm. Lemayhu was a contact hitter. A and good what, contact and what hitter. The Yankees have struggled with over the years was finding a contact hitter. Yeah, and, and if, now they have one. And you. The price that Machado was going to come at, I think the value that, the the fact that how cheap LeMahieu is, he's going to give you a lot more value than Machado would have at, at that price. And I really, like, I don't exactly understand why he went to the Yankees because he's such a, unless he's trying to contend for a title, which he couldn't do in Colorado. But he's such a good player, I think he could start on any other team, maybe outside of the Red Sox. But, yeah, I think you'll be in good hands with LeMahieu. I don't really see an issue on why everybody's making a big deal on Miguel Andahar being, yes, it is a big detriment. Sure. Do I want Andahar playing 160 games a year? Yes. Who wouldn't want him playing 162 <laughs> games a year? That's the kind of player he is. But when you have such a good backup with DJ LeMahieu, it, it gives you a set of relief. Now, if something happens to LeMahieu, knock on wood, something doesn't happen to LeMahieu, <laughs> then you have a problem. But hopefully that doesn't happen. So, Liam, what else you want to say to the Yankees? I mean, their rotation has been good. Paxton had a great outing. Tanaka's been good. Hap didn't have a great outing. But Domingo Herman pitched a really good game. And if, uh, suddenly we go from the Yankees to the Red Sox, who have terrible pitching. Liam, open us up on the Red Sox. Yeah, well, you know, the Red Sox have, you know, they're starting one and five. You know, one and four. Let me know what is the problems with the Red Sox right now. 
do you think they're going to be able to turn around the pitching? And when do you think the hitting is going to turn around? Because I'm sure, like me, you think that the hitting is just going to turn around the corner right about now. So, Corey, just before you say that, just one quick note from me. I like what Liam said about the hitting. The hitting, for the most part, has been there. It's been recently that it, that, that it's went away. I mean, the series against the Seattle Mariners, when you score four, five, six runs a game, you should win a baseball game. Yeah. But when your starting pitchers give up ten runs, there's nothing you can do from there. Yeah. I mean, right now our starting pitchers, the best ERA is David Price, and that's 6.00. <laughs> that's not very good. Everyone else is at least ten. That is not good. Sale was just shocking. I didn't expect that out of him. I believe he should, yeah, at that point in the rotation. I don't know what to say about Chris Sale. I mean, I believe it was seven runs, four innings. And. 21 ERA. Yep, seven runs, three innings. Let me correct that. Even worse. I mean, I didn't expect that. Sale's been great his whole career. He's been clutch, and he hasn't really had any streaks of bad. Uh, any bad streaks. Um, I'm really hoping that's not what's coming up. I don't think it is. I think he'll recover. I'm hoping he'll recover tonight. I mean, as for the Red Sox as a whole, they're pitching. I think they'll figure it out. They'll turn it around. I mean, you can't be this bad the whole season, no, right? <laughs> you really shouldn't have David Price last. I mean, yeah, no that's... disrespect to Evaldi and Eduardo Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. They're not as be- They're not better than David Price. No. Like, the fact that they have David Price fifth really just like was a question mark it is weird i i mean he's still back to back with sale so there's still that one two punch but it's not the same i you don't see that out of mlb teams really ever i mean it should be the best two pitchers first and second so maybe they'll change that at some point it's hard to change a rotation mid-season they he is one of them yes he he yeah (laughs) i mean the bullpen hasn't been terrible heath hembry Velasquez and Thornburg aren't great, but, I mean, it's a small sample size, but Brazier, Workman, Brewer haven't given up a run. They've only pitched five innings amongst the three of them total, so it's not not crazy. Yeah, it's, and Barnes also hasn't given up a run, but he's only pitched one inning. But, I mean, it's there's 157 games left in the year. There's no it, reason to panic. Though. Exactly. There is plenty of time. You remember how the Bruins started? They lost six to nothing their first game. If you lose to if you lose the series to Oakland, you could raise a question mark. Yeah. They're one and four now. And listen, the Yankees lost a division last year of how good the Red Sox I believe they started eighteen and one last year. Boston. Yeah, it was it was sixteen and one or eighteen and one. Something around those lines. After losing their first game. The AL East is wide open now. You would believe the Baltimore Orioles are not going to be three and one all year. Yeah. No, of course not. <laughs> the Tampa Bay Rays—they're not going to be four and one all year. They're good though. They're good. The Yankees and the Red Sox have a legitimate shot to actually come right down to the wire for first place right now. Mm-hmm. The Red Sox are giving it to them on a silver platter, saying Yankees, <laughs> go ahead, take and, this division. And they're not but taking they lose it <laughs> to the Baltimore Orioles. <laughs> one of the worst lineups to ever be constructed. <laughs> Watching opening day, and they had Cedric Mullins leading off. I'm like, who is Cedric Mullins? <laughs> the next day, he doesn't play. The next game, Renato Nunez, who's making his major league debut, takes James Paxton deep, <laughs> and they lose. Like, when that happens, yes, they may be injured, but when you're playing the Baltimore Orioles, who have the worst lineup ever. 
to be constructed. <laughs> it's a triple-A lineup minus Chris Davis, who's still not good, and he's still under contract until 2023, making $141 million. This is the worst lineup in baseball. For, heck, the Yankees' double-A lineup is probably better than the Baltimore Orioles' Major League Baseball lineup. It's the uh, terror, and you lose two out of three. I mean, it's it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, the Red Sox have their own problems. The Yankees, Andujar just got hurt. I mean, that and that injury isn't going to cost you a series against the Orioles. No. You should have the won Yankees, that series, the honestly. Could beat the Orioles with Aaron Judge by himself. Yes. If he's <laughs> in that lineup, if if the Yankees took the Orioles lineup. And put Aaron Judge in the middle of it, and played the Orioles with the same lineup. The Yankees would <laughs> find a way to win that game. Yeah, I mean it's it doesn't make much sense. There's no way. Or- yeah. Oh, I can't stress it. I mean, and they play the <laughs> Orioles this weekend again, and I know it. I know what's gonna happen. They're gonna lose two out of three again. They could never beat the Orioles, and that was a problem. The Red Sox won the American League East because out of teams that were below 500, they lost. Five games. The Yankees lost 14. <laughs> when you play a team like the Orioles and the Blue Jays, you got to win those games. <laughs> but they don't. And it's ridiculous. And it's really, really been a problem for them for a long stretch. It really has been a problem. When they can't beat bad teams, they lose divisions. But it's a problem. It really... I mean, I remember back in April, they got swept by the Miami Marlins. <laughs> Miami Marlins! <laughs> no Giancarlo Stanton, no Christian Yelich, no D. Gordon, no Marcelo Zuna, no Jose Fernandez, God rest his soul. But however, you got swept by the Miami Marlins, who are now projectively worse after getting rid of JT Realmuto. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you said pretty much all that uh, that can be said about that. I mean, I, I think both the Yankees and the Red Sox will recover, uh, I think. I mean, I you're crazy. The I mean, the Yankees are two yeah. and two. I mean, I can't worry about that. Anybody's crazy to think after four games, five games in the MLB season that that decides it all. If that decided it all, the Mets would have won the World Series last year. I mean, it's just not the case. So there's nothing to panic over. If it continues this way for the rest of April or halfway through April or so, then maybe it'll be a problem. But right now, both teams will recover. I have faith. You should have faith. There's no nothing yeah, to worry about. I don't have faith. It's yeah, just... I understand. I mean, you should beat the Orioles. We should have beaten the Marli- Mariners. Sorry. But we'll recover. Both teams will. Liam, you got to help me. I mean, I'm out of breath right now. I mean, am I right? Please tell me. Please tell me I'm right. Look, you know, as far as the Yankees losing two out of three of the Orioles, I know it's personal for you, Will on a level since you were there at the second game of the year. And, you know, that, that was a little bit of a tough one. But, hey, the Orioles are not, uh, you know, a good baseball team. They are not. You're right. They are a triple-A triple baseball team at best, probably a double-A, you know, talented baseball team. But you know what? They came to play. And you know what? They went against, you know, the, you know, the, the top guns in the New York Yankees, arguably in their division, along with the Boston Red Sox. They're right there along with each other. And, you know, they took the Yankees, you know, and they gave their A game, and they took the Yankees to the limit, and they took two out of three. It just comes down to will to me. It comes down to, you know, the ability to go out there, play consistent baseball, 
play good fundamental baseball. And at the end of the day, although they did not have anything close to the talent as the Yankees did on the pitching side or on the offensive side, you know, the, the Orioles outworked the Yankees in that series. And, you know, that's just something you have to accept. And the Yankees just have to go back to the drawing board and realize that you're right. It's a 162-game season. There's 157 games left. There's not a ton of reason for concern. There will be others. There will be multiple series against the Orioles and other AL East division rivals along the riding season. So there will be opportunities to get comeuppance and to you know get those victories back. I wouldn't look too much into it right now. All I would worry about for the Yankees is going out there and playing good, fundamental, consistent baseball. And if you're able to do that throughout a 162 game season, you're in the playoffs. So there's nothing, you know, there's not a ton to worry about for the Yankees. As far as the Red Sox, ton of expectations. Like Corey said, and I said it before with the Yankees, there are a ton of games left. You cannot look at this small microcosm, you know, of five games and say that the Red Sox and the Yankees, just because of the way they started, are not going to make the postseason. That's simply not the case. Like Corey alluded to, the Mets won 11 and 0 to begin the year last year, and they just, you know, they did not make the playoffs. They flopped, and you know why? They because they got injured and they were unable to play consistent fundamental baseball, and that's why they fell off the cliffs so much. So. That's what I'm really looking for from the Red Sox and the Yankees. Play good, consistent baseball, and then the talent will shine through, and it will uh, propel them to where they're expected to be at the end of the year. So I'll talk to you. Liam, do you want to take us to our last topic? It'll be a brief topic. Today was a very baseball-heavy show, which is understandable because of opening day. But very briefly, Liam is going to take us through our last uh, last minor topic, and I believe uh, it is the NBA. Go ahead. And I just do want to mention that the Braves did sign uh, Ronald Acuna. I did. Uh, to a yeah, wow. I saw that. Uh, let me get your thoughts on that. Will, if you yeah, want to you know, it's a good. It's a good signing for the Braves, but I think it was a little too soon. Obviously, he came onto the scene last year. He is 21 years old. I think they wanted to see a little bit more out of him. But, again, it opens up the door for more players. I mean, you see Alexander Bogarts just got signed by the Red Sox. You would have to think the Yankees are going to be thinking about, hopefully, extending Aaron Judge and Didi Gregorius to contracts. But, again, I think it was a little too soon for the uh, Atlanta Braves. Uh, obviously, they obviously have a lot of cash to play with now. But, again, I think it was a little too soon, Corey. Oh, uh, he's a great young talent. I mean, they, it, if you look at it this way, think about the fact that what Manny Machado and Bryce Harper signed this this uh, spring. And if Acuna could become a talent, that kind of talent, or even close to it, they just got him for a bargain price. And quite honestly, that's what he's looking like. He could become that kind of talent. Maybe not to the extent, but... It's quite possible it could be to that extent, or it could be close to that extent. Either way, a hundred million is a lot less than three hundred million. So I think, I mean, it's a lot of money for a twenty-one-year-old, but at the same time, if he pans out the way he lo- he looks like he has a good chance to, then it's a bargain, especially in the MLB. So, I mean, there's a risk, but I don't think it's a high risk, and I think it's a high reward. I think it's low risk, high reward, and it's. It might be something we start to see more in the MLB, signing these young guys that have a good one good year to long extensions that cost less money because you're afraid of what will happen in five years if they continue this rate because of what happened with Manny Machado, Bryce Harper, and even 
I wouldn't say anybody really looks to be as good as Mike Trout, but even Mike Trout, that he is costing that team a ton of money. He's worth it, but imagine if they pulled something like the Braves just pulled yeah. uh, five years ago. Yeah. They'd look like geniuses, yeah. and he'd be locked up for... He's locked up until he's 30 now uh, on the Braves, I believe. I mean... It, it's it could definitely pan out to be one of the smartest moves in the last this year. Yeah, it's a there is some risk, but in the MLB, it's not a ton of money for that. So I understand what they're doing, and I wouldn't say it's a bad move by any means. It's not the same. same. Yeah. But he will get booed, and he has every right to get booed. Uh, Bryce Harper, you know, the, sorry, Corey, but the Nationals yep. lowballed Bryce Harper on the second offer. I think, I, I, you know, and I said it before, I was watching Chris Maddog Russo earlier, and he was talking to GM Mike Rizzo uh, of the Nationals, and, you know, he said that, you know, we gave him an offer, but Bryce came out and said, you know, they lowballed me, and I really truly believe that if they were even going to come in the ballpark of what Bryce wanted, he's a Washington National right now. So I don't think this is on Bryce in the slightest. I think he was going, you know, to the Nationals if they offered him the right price. The Nationals just didn't want to pay enough for him. That's my, my take. Yeah, but I think at the end of the day, some will boo him, some will cheer him. I mean, what they're going to say is that if he really was committed to the Nationals, he would stay, but, you know, money talks. Yeah, honestly, I don't know if he should be booed, but I think he will. And honestly, it's because Bryce Harper just isn't that the most likable person. I mean, in all honesty, Mike Trout, he's likable. He's, he's, he, he's a great player. If he ever left the Angels, there's no doubt they'd cheer for him. Bryce Harper isn't the most likable player, and he was underwhelming in, in the playoffs. I mean, he never did anything for that franchise, and I think there will be a lot of people that boo him for that reason only, because they never won the World Series or even came close to it at all. I think a lot of people are will be mad because he wasn't able to do that, and he left them, and it, it's just fun to boo, I guess. But there will be people that I think cheer him just because of what he was able to do, winning the MVP with the Nationals, but I think more people will boo or more people just not 
care, then there will be people that cheer because he's not the most likable and because of his lack of success with the Nationals. I think that's the biggest reason is the fact that he never won a playoff series with them. Yeah, very quickly, yeah, like, very quickly before the show ends, obviously, Chris Stops Porzingis brought up on charges of rape. Uh, he, uh, supposedly, he raped a woman um, where he was the day after he got hurt for, for the New York Knicks, uh, and the Dallas Mavericks were informed of the charges when he was traded to Dallas, but we really can't talk about the topic much because we really don't know what's going to happen with Porzingis. We have no idea, but Liam, what do you think is going to happen with Porzingis? Maybe that's why he was traded, believe it or not. Maybe that's why they traded him. I think him. it was, but it was a tad vague, yeah. according to the Mavericks, yeah. what the Knicks really told them yeah. about the situation. I don't really know how to think about that as a Knicks fan. You guys can elaborate on Yeah, it's a terrible situation altogether, and the more details that come out, it it looks... It lo- it, yeah, it makes him look even worse, and I don't... The NBA's never really had a situation like this. You see this a lot more in the NFL. So I don't know how they're going to react. I really, they don't usually have these problems. They don't even have a lot of big drug problems or anything in the NBA, especially with stars. So I don't know if a suspension's coming. It pro- probably a suspension. I don't know how long. I don't know if it'll be half the season or or what, because you see an MLB full full year suspensions for PEDs, but. There's really not much to compare it to for the NBA. And he's still hurt, so I don't know if they'll take that into consideration. Say, when you get healthy, you're suspended for this long. It, I really don't know. It's not looking good for Kristaps Porzingis. How it affects the Mavericks franchise is still to come. We'll see how the NBA reacts. That'd be traded twice and not even not a day... That'd be a Carmelo Anthony situation. <laughs> not not play a single game for the Mavericks. But imagine that yeah. they trade him after There's all the. Hu- it could happen. Yeah, when they got him, there was a ton of hype, and imagine yeah. him never playing yeah. for them. Yeah, that's that, that's that sure is a possibility. Mm-hmm. But, uh, very good takes, and Liam. Uh, we'll talk to you on Thursday for the podcast for uh, for the NHL. All right, perfect. Great talking to you guys, and uh, enjoy the rest of your week. You too. Uh, Liam Goddard does a fantastic job with us. So let's wrap things up. Yankees play at 6.30. Let's go watch them. They play the Detroit Tigers. Uh, just win the series. Come on. <laughs> if, if you can't win two out of three against the Orioles, could you at least do it against the Tigers? <laughs> if they win today, I'll be happy, and I'll be more satisfied if they sweep them. And yep. they have the Orioles. Sweep them, too. I mean, this okay. isn't a hard schedule for no. them. <laughs> I mean, excluding the Astros and the Red Sox, every team's below 500 mm-hmm. with, with the expectations. So, yeah. 
We'll see. I'm just very, very stressed out because <laughs> they really should have beat the Orioles, and it was a waste of my money to go. <laughs> That'll wrap things up with the podcast. We'll pass the coin for Carly. I'm glad we're saying so long until next time. Back and forth.